the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 129. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited for today because today we're going to have one of our dear friends and podcast favorites on the show, Erin Shaw Street. And um, yeah, this is a little bit different than how we normally do it. So I'm excited to, to kind of just jump into the show today. Right, because you guys probably know Erin Shaw Street already. Um, she's been on the show twice, so get with it if you haven't listened to those episodes. They are what, Tammy? Um, episode 18 was the first one. I'm the historian for the show. You are. Episode 18, and then she returned um, for episode 65 when we did a summer so- sober travel episode. And um, a lot has changed for Erin since her last appearance on the show. And today we're going to get into all of that. Welcome to the show, Erin. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I know. What a fun morning, right? I was excited to get up. So excited. This doesn't <laughs> even, I just, we're just, we just happen to be recording this. That's, the, I just feel like we're catching up. Yeah. Well, we get to, I mean, for people, I hope that listeners go back and listen to the shows that you've been on because they got to get them some Aaron, you know, background. But um, (laughs) I thought that um, quickly, maybe you could tell the listeners your sobriety date just to kind of like let them know they haven't listened to you or heard you or know who you are, maybe how long you've been sober and where you live. Absolutely. I have been sober since March 12th, 2016. I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and I love this life of recovery. Yeah. Sandra plays part of your story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sandra is my angel, and yeah. we talked about that um, in the previous episodes, and I speak about it a lot um, in meetings and, and in a lot of different places. 
because the reason that I'm sober today is because Sandra was there for me on my last God willing day one. Hmm. So it's really cool to, I was in another town and woke up hungover and needed help. And she was the person who was there. So it's really, really cool to fast forward now and kind of look back and see how things have played out in in all of our recoveries and all of our work and our creativity and the recovery community. It's every day, you know, I, I, I thought I knew the story of, of Sandra and I meeting and my sobriety, but it turns out more truly is being revealed each and every day, mm-hmm. <laughs> each and every year. So it's just super, super cool to look now at where I think each of us are. Um, and it's been, I, I entered recovery. I, I was sober curious for many years and did the research like many of us do. Um, and I actually started to um, get sober in September of 2015, which is four years. And when I look back coming up on that, I think, wow, so much has changed in my life. So much has changed in the lives of the people who have walked this path with me and helped me out. And it's just pretty cool to see where things are a couple years later. Right. It's almost like the butterfly effect, right? It's because you never know what, what small action you take. Because for me, that was you know, I, I meet other people for coffee. I reach out to people. If people send out an SOS and I happen to see it, I respond. Uh, but you never know how that's going to trickle down. Exactly. Which is why I share the story all the time. I mean, I shared it in a meeting recently and talked about why I share my message. And I, I specifically reference you um, and that you did answer the call that day. And you know, I answer the call now and we all answer the call in a lot of different forms, whether that be, um, you know, a, a message in a Facebook group in your Facebook community, whether it be uh, a message from a friend, whether it be a direct message we get. I mean, all of us get these calls every single day. The, the question is, are, are we willing to respond? And you were that day. And so that butterfly has had this, this, this amazing effect um, because it's allowed me, what you did allowed me to truly walk this walk of sobriety, really understand what it meant to be a woman in recovery, just from one morning, from you saying yes, from your willingness to say yes and show up. Um, I, I get to do the same and it's my, you know, it's my joy to do the same and just carry, carry the message as we say. So yeah, it's really, really cool, um, to, to think about that opportunity. Like you could be that person's you could be the turning point in someone's story you were the turning point in mine right I love that I love that well that that's the um the 12th step at work right like I feel Sandra and I talk about that a little bit like the show being an extension of that but um but picking up and meeting someone in person in real life like there's nothing like it and and you're right it's like they may not pick up what you're laying down if you're giving some suggestions or, you know, whatever, if they're asking for help, they may not. But to see Aaron, to know that like, like kind of what you've done with that after, you know, meeting Sandra with a smoothie in hand and going on a walk, like it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. So our listeners definitely listen to the um, Aaron's first episode with us, episode 18. You can hear her whole story. Yeah. Um, But since then, since you've been on the show, you have uh, created quite a lot of things actually, but the one that we wanted to kind of focus on and talk about today was, um, 
uh, tell better stories. And it's kind of taken a little turn here recently, but can you tell us like quickly, like how did you come to create tell better stories initially? And what is that so that they know? Sure. Of course. So in January of 2018, I started this tell better stories project. So it was a result of a number of different factors, but basically my background is in media and marketing and as a woman in recovery. So I created this initiative to talk about the way that we talk about alcohol in, in media and marketing, specifically women's lifestyle. So the mommy needs wine, the wine time t-shirts, just the memes, the shirts, the products, the messaging, the, the, drawing attention to all the messaging around alcohol and women and what is underneath all that messaging. Right. Just challenging it, right? Challenging it. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging it and saying and raising up these examples. So I created an Instagram account, tell better stories, media and a website and started writing about these images and what they really meant and holding up those images and then also holding up the facts and statistics and truth around women and alcohol in this country um, and the disparity between the two. So my intent with creating this was to start a conversation, um, to, to, to try to use my skills as a former journalist, as a person who looks to find the truth, um, as a woman who's walked through and believed those messages and actually created those messages. So that's also part of my story. I used to create those messages and say that alcohol was a reward. It was part of celebration. It was part of living this fabulous life. So the initiative really was to create conversation, to create dialogue, to get people to think and to do it in a way that was kind and constructively critical and unpack some really complicated issues and give people the tools to help them unpack that and make the decisions for themselves. So I always said, you know, this is, I'm not a prohibitionist and this is not anti-alcohol, so to speak. Everybody has a different relationship with it um, and everyone has agency to choose, but just giving people the language and the tools to step back and say, what is going on? And really to point to bigger issues happening sort of culturally and, um, you know, among women and, and, and to talk about what was my part in that? What is my part of it now? And, um, and yeah, it really um, took off and people started, started talking about it and responding to it. And the community really, really started blossoming around it where people said, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or, oh my goodness, you gave voice to something that I did struggle with for, for quite a long time. And I'm starting to understand how I believe the stories around alcohol uh, in our culture. So it, it started having this life of its own where I was hearing from people who were super curious, people in recovery, family members, a lot of family members who said, oh my goodness, you know, I, I couldn't quite articulate why all these shirts and messages on TV and the memes, why it bothered me, but I know now, and it's because I have a loved one who's struggling. I've seen the effects firsthand. So mm-hmm. just started hearing from a lot of different people about, about this conversation that at that time, a year and a half ago, I believe we needed to start having. Right. Because some of this stuff, you know, it's not like we don't have a sense of humor. I well, mean, we get, get the jokes, ha ha, funny. Uh, but then some of it, right, is just so, it's just offering, it's pulling back the curtain and offering a bit of the truth here. That's that, right. Yeah, that, that there are, while that, you know, your joke is funny and, and it's funny for, you know, I guess for people that obviously don't have a complicated relationship with alcohol. But the fact is that so many of us do 
and not only is it complicated, it's also sad and, and desperate and deadly often. So, yeah. I mean, you can't, you, you, when you look at the sheer numbers of, it's, it's incredible. I mean, just, you know, Google the stories about women and alcohol um, and it's, it's staggering. It's stunning. Um, so it was really holding up those things and saying like, yeah, of course, it's not that I don't have a sense of humor and I didn't want to shame. I didn't want to, I was, I really tried to be intentional. I try to be intentional about how I speak about these issues, but there is just this really weird disconnect and right. alcohol is this common denominator. And I get that. I get that. Oh, I need a drink. Like I, I get that it's a common denominator, but in all of this, my big question is what is underneath that? Like why, why do we need something that's going to, you know, take us out of ourselves, you know, and, and unpacking that a bit more. Well, I used to own a wine bar and a gift store, so it was all one. And Aaron, you know, I had my standards. I, um, I wouldn't carry wine bottles that had cleavage on it. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. which was Marilyn Monroe. They had these Marilyn Monroe bottles. They, and then I wouldn't carry wine that said bitch on it. I wouldn't carry, but I don't know that I, I was just being snobby that those looked like cheap wines. I don't know that I really tapped into my, you know, feminist self. I I was checked out back then. I didn't I didn't think deeply. I have to say I don't. And when I start when I had a kid and I had a little kid section in my wine bar, by the way, where I carry these cute onesies because we have a lot of tourists that come out to the coast, and I'm sure in the cocktail napkins. I know I had some of those things that I look at now and go, that's so stupid. I carried those things. I know. And I didn't know better then, you know, like I think my Angela always says like, when you know better, you do better. Well, that's all I can say about that. You know, I was part of that as well to some degree. And so when I see it now, it's even hard for me when I walk into Target or when walk into Whole Foods or when I walk into anywhere and I see the rosé end cap or I, I walk into Target and wine is right up front now. It's like right when you walk in with all the summertime umbrellas, like there it is. It's like as soon as you walk in the door. Um, so yeah, I get it. I was part of it. You know, I'm not happy to say, uh, but I would do better now if I owned a store. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right. Well, we all participated in yeah. some ways. We all did. Right. right. Of course, you know. And so you're right. I, I can see how you, well, we're getting to the part where you you kind of changed your your messaging and your story, but you know, it's, it's when you, when the pendulum swings the other way and then we're righteously indignant that, you know, anyone shares these memes and laughs at these jokes. It's, um, it's not so black and white, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not. And, and, you know, I was writing about that throughout this work and writing, it it all happened at different times in my own, in my personal recovery. So how I saw this issue when I first started writing about it is different because I've evolved and I've changed and I stand by everything that I, I did. And so I don't take any of that back. I still believe in it. Um, but it's shifted as I've shifted. So, you know, the truth is too, when I was newly sober and walking into Target and seeing that wine rack and seeing the shirt, I mean, that was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. That was also a person who was newly sober and 
really, really struggling. So that woman changed over time. Um, and, and at different points in my personal story and my timeline, you know, it just became, um, yeah, it became, I changed. So that's, that's why the story is changing. And, and, and the way we're talking about alcohol and the numbers of voices in the conversation now, there's been just this huge, um, amazing conversation around alcohol that's, that's been happening in the past year and a half. So, you know, that is changing too. And there are more voices coming to the table, questioning and sharing and all that. So, you know, that's where, and among other things, I started really reconsidering what my role was in, in constantly um, sharing some of these messages. Yeah. Did you feel um, overwhelmed by the response to what you were doing, Erin? Because um, I liked how you would share, you would say you were not a prohibitionist. You were just very fair about everything. It didn't seem super judgy. It didn't seem, it didn't seem judgy at all. It just was very kind of matter of fact because you are a journalist. Um, and then you invited, it seemed like you were, you were extending an invitation to companies to think about it. You know, right. think about changing this story, you know, tell a better story. What could that be? Um, it seemed more like an invitation, but what were you, how was that? How did that start to feel? Cause I imagine you got tons of messages and DMS and I get overwhelmed by the very few that I get. So I can't, I can't imagine how that must feel. Plus you're having a full-time job and a family and you're working your recovery. So can you right. share with us a little bit like how, what started happening for you? It was, was there an overwhelm? Well, I was grateful that it resonated. Um, I was surprised that it picked up. I, I had to do it because it was just, a, it was a call on my heart when I started it. And I was really grateful with the messages and the engagement, but it did take up um, time and a lot of energy and sort of psychic energy. And it's important to note that when I started it, I was freelancing and working as a consultant and I wasn't working a full-time job. And then I got a fantastic full-time job. So more and more of the, it's really a combination of things. Um, I, I guess really that what, what happened was last fall, I hit a really tough spot in my recovery and I started feeling uncomfortable with what I was posting. Um, and I, I hit, there was a number of circumstances where I just, I hit this wall, this kind of three year <laughs> wall. I've talked with different women, different friends and with y'all about, you know, sort of some of these different walls that we hit. And, and last fall I was just, I was at a low point and in, in my recovery, not, I wasn't close to drinking. Um, but just, just this really discontent place. And I found myself creating this content and churning it out. And that's what I did for so many years when I was a magazine editor. And that was, that led to burnout. That was part of my story of addiction. And I found myself creating this stuff again and again. And, and it started not sitting really well with me. And I, I, a couple of times I took breaks. I took a break last October. I think I talked with both of you when I was doing that. I was like, I think I need to practice the pause, which is what we say in recovery. Like I need to pause. It feels odd that I'm turning out this content, but I really need to be focusing on getting something straight in my personal recovery. Um, so it felt, that felt weird. I spent a week in January 
at an amazing place um, outside Nashville called Onsite Workshops, where it was. I was going to bring up yeah. Onsite. Okay. Yeah. I was wind- I'm so, again, there's such a mystery that shrouds Onsite for me yeah. that I just need to go so that oh, the mystery is dispelled. But, but um, I was going to ask if that was a pivotal moment for you. It was because Onsite Workshops, um, it's, it's an incredible place. And I spent a week doing their Living Centered program, which is like therapy boot camp. So you spend a week um, doing really, really intensive therapy. And I've done therapy for years, but this is like no devices, no phones. You're in a room with 10 people really going very, very deep into your origins, into childhood, into so a lot of people go there who have done a lot of this work um, and have hit a wall or hit a, you know, just a tough spot. Um, so it's, it's so cool because a lot of the people there, they have this language, right? They have this shared language. Not everyone is in recovery. They come from all walks of life. Um, but that did change some things for me because I started putting, I started asking what was underneath the armor. What was I trying to protect myself from? So that was a big piece. And even as I talked about my work there and met new friends, I realized, wow, my work, this work with Tell Better Stories is even though I'm trying to be fair and, um, and kind and all of that, um, it, um, it can be, it's a, this, the work at the time was being against things. And it, I fa- I started feeling like it, it drove a wedge in my, maybe a wedge is too strong, but, um, that when I told people about what I, what I did kind of in my spare time, I realized it just sounded very against. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to be against. And, and I just honestly found myself also being less and less excited about cranking out Instagram posts. It, it's important to note that it grew on Instagram. This thing grew and, and, and there was a response and that was fantastic. Um, but that's a content churn. Again, it, it kind of gets back to like, that hits a lot of my old behavior. <laughs> um, and even if it's doing it for a purpose, um, I stepped back and, and said like, well, for, for what? Right. For what? Um, so yeah, there was a parallel of, you know, going deeper in my recovery. I also started working with a, a trauma informed therapist. Um, and to be frank, I filled in a lot of the blanks that I, that were missing for me when I started this walk of recovery. So it's really important to note, I think for our listeners, and it's something that I'm understanding now, like it, it took me a good three years to dust off the cobwebs and really get to Aaron. Um, so while I, again, I stand by my work and everything I wrote those, those first couple of years, I had a lot of ahas come last fall and come the beginning of this year that made me think I might pivot how I express myself in this world. Well, I think you and I talked, Aaron, uh, during this time, like, um, it, it, Staying in solution, right? It's that's such a big part of our program in working the 12 steps is like being solution based. And so if you're doing like a call out culture, I think like you called it, right? You're calling people out. You kind of I mean, I know that in your heart the solution like you thought it would it would happen. Like maybe a solution would maybe be born from that or um but it probably feels more stuck in a in a I don't want to say the word negative, but like a not a productive place if if the other person isn't going to respond right that's right (laughs) then you're just leaving it and kind of laying it down um and it probably didn't feel very satisfying 
Right. Cause it's, yeah. it's not solution based. I mean, sometimes we would get a response. I say we, it was me. <laughs> we, uh, our people at tell better stories. Yeah. All my, all my, it's <laughs> funny. Like, and, and that's, that's his whole, yeah, that's a whole other thing, but like, it was always just me. So yeah. the brands would respond occasionally, but it was like, just like, like fighting in the ether, punching the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, what did I want to happen? Like, right. Right. Because you, you can't control the outcome, but what, what ended up happening was that there would just be this sort of pile on. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it would always be like, you know, that's, that's, you're right. You go, that's terrible. Uh, I mean, the conversations that I liked, you know, were when people said like, and are when people say, wow, this really touched me. I'm 42 days sober and struggling. Um, thanks for being a, a voice in this. Or that made me think about bringing, you know, wine to the, the PTO meeting or like that, that's, that is the good stuff. But the, you know, the pointing, you know, this is great or this is bad felt um, started feeling not great. And I, I don't want to be part of that culture. I don't want to be part of call out, cancel, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to see more and more voices of people who are saying the same thing. Like, um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to cancel anybody. And the reality is with social media, you know, you're just seeing this very small slice. Um, it's really tough to have complex conversations. It's right, because everything, nothing is in context. Right. Ever. Nothing, right. And I say that like every single day in so many areas of my life, context is everything. Mm-hmm. So I can zero out and talk about this, you know, this illustration, but what about the creator behind that illustration? Like he or she may not know why this is like, and I guess the bottom line is I realized I was putting my story on other people. Um, right. And that was a big wake up call for me of like, you know, you're putting your stuff on someone else. And the other key here is as I got, deeper and return to. So after my kind of wanderings at last fall and struggling, I, I did return to um, 12 steps in, in earnest, got a new sponsor, sort of really doing step work. And that's also where this, this decision came out of. Cause I was like, wow, am I using other people's stuff to justify um, my own behavior just if I, you know, and, and I, that's what I did when I was drinking and I don't want to do that now. So mm-hmm. I, there was a real shift in like, instead of pointing fingers, um, kind of resting in, in my truth about what my addiction. Yeah. What's mine? What's What's my, and, and, and what is my part in, in this space, in this digital space, in this real life space? Like, how do I tell the story that I was given? I mean, this amazing story, um, and this incredible recovery that, that I I believe strongly, like I was given that. And I believe my higher power gave me the story. Um, how can I use it to be of maximum service? Um, not to be of maximum likes. Right. Mm, Right. Yeah, that's interesting because I am. Um, it's like what when you hit a wall with social media a little bit sometimes. Like I like I can only imagine because I was just looking at your account. I mean, you have like twenty six thousand followers on that. That's a lot of people looking at what you're saying. It's a little bit of pressure, I would imagine. Um, right, and it's pressure to perform, and that's mm-hmm. deeply rooted in my addiction is people pleasing, mm-hmm. um, external validation, the performative thing, and you know, that's, that's not good for me, for my personal recovery. And there's just this real thing that's happening with this, I call, call it performative sobriety. Um, and I've done it. 
I've done it and I have to really pray before every post, like, am I performing my sobriety? And then I also have to be careful that I'm not judging others. And it gets really <laughs> like, right. Like it gets really, really messy. Like, um, but this, uh, this other thing that started happening too is, is that I also got, um, the deeper in my recovery, like less and less sobriety and recovery focused. Um, and as this whole like crop of people who are right. And again, it's, it's wonderful. I'm torn. It's, it's tough to talk about in some ways, but I want to say it. Cause like, I love all, all the folks who are, are talking about sobriety and recovery, but as I started taking off, I, I started kind of getting less and less interested in saying I'm sober, I'm sober. Um, you know, in, in social media and more interested in like, in living my life and exploring other things and sobriety and recovery are the doors, you know, to which the, the, the lens at which I look at life, but it's not there. It's not all that's to me. So yeah. in some ways it also started feeling a little bit limiting to associate every single thing I created with sobriety, recovery, tell better stories. Yeah. It's so on the money, right, Sandra? It's all about evolution, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about that. Like Sandra and I was like, do I want to be known for my sobriety or do I want to be known because I create art or because I'm a good person or because I love my family? Like, I don't know, be known. I don't, that even feels weird to say that, but like if we're putting this stuff out there, um, I am a sober creative woman, but I don't want that to be what's leading for Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. I, I have only been feeling that over the last six months or so and thinking, um, I don't mind sharing it because I, I loved when I found women that I could connect with and that, you know, we're talking about it. I remember an early recovery that was just like gold. Uh, but I don't want that to be the only thing about me. I mean, Sandra, here we are doing this podcast and it's like, we, we, again, we do feel like it is very much 12 step work. Um, but we are creatives and we, we, there's much more to us than just being sober, but that being sober is what, or they say the keys to the kingdom. Like we, we know right. how we, how we get all of this is because we are working hard on our recovery, but I don't want that. I don't want that to be the lead anymore. I don't think for me. Right. Like it's the foundation from, mm-hmm. you know, to where I'm tethered and everything grows from there. Um, but I, I so get everything you're saying, Aaron, you know, like part of my recovery has been, you know, before, and I don't do it perfectly, but before I do things, I do ask myself what my motivation is. And, um, and so that's an invitation to question all those things, right? Because sometimes your motivation is, you know, for some girls or bikes <laughs> right. or parts yeah. or whatever. But, but just knowing that that's your motivation and liking it, being okay with that, that's, that's just huge growth and recovery for me. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, and everybody wants to, you know, wants that out of girl, <laughs> um, you know, so that's, but for me, it can just really swing in exactly not great direction. And that's uh-huh. how I got into recovery. So, right. you know, it's um, yeah. I mean, I, sobriety and recover, recovery allowed me to be all the things I was created to be right. That my higher power created me to be. And that is so um, awesome. Like you said, it's like the, the keys to the kingdom. It is. It's such a huge part of my life. Um, but there's so much more um, to it. There's there's so many other things I want to talk about and write about. And it, I mean, I say that and I think, 
it's funny. I always do circle back to it. <laughs> um, and, but, but yeah, I, I particularly didn't want to be known as, oh, that's the woman who writes about the wine shirts. Right. Like right. I particularly didn't want to be that person. So, you know, when I think, I, I think about a lot now about like, what are the things, yeah, what are the things underneath? And some of the things I really do enjoy talking about are how can content creators create for the long run? Um, you know, how can we avoid burnout? How can we take care of our mental health and emotional health and create amazing creative work? Like those are some of the things that I'm interested in exploring more as it unfolds. Again, it's all root. It's, it, it's connected. That was my way in, but there's just a lot more that's even come out of Tell Better Stories. It's made me think like, huh, I'd really like to explore some of these topics in addition to others. I love that. I love that because that's, and that's evolution right there. You're moving into, um, as you're moving into a healthier place, you are also exploring the topics on how media can move into a healthier place. And it's like, you're integrated, you're integrating everything. Right. And that's, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly where I am. And in my job, I work with amazing creators who are doing that. And even, even wrapping my mind around like, what is media, you know, like what is media? What are, you know, and, and how we, how we create and how we consume, like those are the things that really, really excite me and how we can, um, how we can create for change to create change and dialogue and community. Like that is, that gets me excited. So it's the creating of community, like y'all have done so beautifully, um, that is really, really cool. And yeah, that, that just gets me going. Well, I'm going to quote you, Erin, if you don't mind. Oh, goodness. I'm nervous. <laughs> don't be nervous. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't you go said, on the record. You said it so beautifully because when you posted on August 1st in Tell Better Stories Media on Instagram, it was just this really beautiful post. But I'm going to read because I love. I think it really hit my heart and kind of what you are saying right now. Like This is what you said. You said, I've changed. My recovery has changed. And the truth is, I'm not as angry at the wine t-shirts and the wine-centered gifts and the booze-centered culture. I don't have that fight in me as much. The messaging is still problematic, but I now believe the solution for me doesn't involve giving airtime to those messages. I will, of course, keep writing and using my voice and story and hope you will come sit at the table, whatever it looks like. I said that? That was awesome, girl. You said that. <laughs> and that's what I love about you too, because you are totally, you walk the walk. And so integration, thinking about integration, like your um, website, you started to change things, right? Did you start to integrate there as well? Like kind of, did you have these things separately before, Erin? I don't remember. Yeah, it was separate. So I had two sites. Um, I had erinshawstreet.com where I kept a lot of my previous work, my clips from being a travel writer and editor and food and all that. Um, and then I had tell better stories media and I realized, like, I was like, why am I, why do I have two websites? <laughs> like, I'm one person. And again, I'm one person with a lot on my plate. I'm going to make one website. There is no tell better stories and Aaron Shaw street It's just one. Like it's an outgrowth of what I do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I combined it into one and um, that was part, of, I love this word integration because that was part of it. 
Um, so I combined the two and said, you know, if you, if you have engaged with my work through Tell Better Stories, I hope that you'll keep reading. Um, and I'm going to write about a lot of different things. And sometimes those things, again, they, they, they still are very sobriety and recovery related. Um, but there's more that I want to unpack there. So yeah, it, it is an integration. I mean, and isn't that like the, isn't that what we want? I mean, yes. you know, we, when we get sober, when I got sober, I mean, there, you know, I, I didn't want to have, you know, 13 versions of myself keeping up with 13 different stories. And, you know, I wanted to be one person who was transparent and honest to herself and everybody else. I didn't want to, you know, wear all these different masks and that's right, what's it's exhausting. Now. That's what we did. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so yeah, I spent a lot of time this summer being like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to put on, do on the website. And, but I'm really into, I'm into thrifting and vintage, but I also write about work-life balance. And I write about like, what is this site? And what, what am I doing? And, um, and I stopped thinking about it and just threw something up. <laughs> and I was like, it will unfold as it, as it should unfold. And it is. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what it looks like to me. A multifaceted woman who is somebody that I want to hang out with. That's <laughs> yep. what it looks like to me. <laughs> That's right. Well, you make sobriety look good, right, Sandra? She's making it look good. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and I learned that from, I mean, when you talk about being multifaceted, what's the term that, that you use, like being a multi-passionate Mm -hmm. I learned this from, you know, from both of you and watching your recoveries unfold and your, your um, work and your creativity. So saying, Hey, I'm going to try this out. This worked, this didn't work, you know, that you can be multi-passionate. Um, so that's a learning, um, you know, that's a, a learning moment too. Um, you know, and, and then, and I learned from all of these women in our community who have gone so many, you know, so many different beautiful paths. Um, you know, for some people, they do want to make, um, writing about or teaching about, um, coaching, sobriety recovery, their full-time work, and they do it beautifully. Um, and, and for others of us, they I mean, there's just so many options, right? And then I also think about the women that I know from the rooms who, um, you know, who, who do recovery and do life um, and sobriety quietly and privately. And I respect that too. Like, right. they are all all. more about attraction rather than promotion. Right. Yeah, sure. Right. I think there's a guy in my, um, one of my meetings and he says, um, he says four things every time he shares. And then what the fourth thing that he always says is that I do some act of service today and I don't tell anyone about it. Mm. And that just every time he said, cause he says it every single time he shares, I've heard it for the last three and a half years. And I just am only now realizing how profound that is. Um, that is the work of just quietly being of service to someone answering that call, having coffee, um, meeting someone before a meeting, um, answering a question on Facebook for somebody that's on their day 12 or whatever, you know what I mean? Just quietly do it. You don't have to tell anybody about it. Just you do it. And I think that helps with ego inflation. I think that helps with um, me with my gold star back padding, blue ribbon seeking um, that I have to remember that, that I have to keep that in balance. And so sometimes recovering out loud is really beautiful and lovely. And um, I'm grateful for the women that have done it um, so that I could do it. Um, but sometimes I need to keep that in check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know. And I think about, um, conversations I've had with other 
online creators um, who do a lot of work very quietly offline. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really beautiful and important and that there can be a balance in, in all of that. I mean, I do think back to when I first quote unquote came out being, you know, as a woman in recovery and I was about six, six months in. Um, and I don't regret that decision again, but I really wanted, I really wanted that pat on the back. I really wanted those gold starters. I really wanted you to say, just to say, um, wow, you're doing it. Um, and, and that's changed uh, a lot because if you haven't done it, you don't, you know, again, you know, there's a lot, a lot of reasons, but if you haven't gone through this, it's, you know, I have found that I'm not going to get gold stars. <laughs> no. Um, and, and I've sought them. I mean, really for like, for being a healthy adult. Um, but yeah, it's just changed a lot about how that's, again, it's, it's center, it's center in my life, but um, <clears throat> even how I serve, it, that has to, it has to be, some of that stuff has to be quiet. Right. Right. And again, for me, it just always keeps coming back to what my motivation is. Mm-hmm. And I always think about this quote that I heard from an on being podcast, um, right at the beginning of my sobriety from uh, Rabbi Heschel. And he said, do the deed, the intention will follow. So sometimes you don't have to overthink it. Is this going to make me feel good about myself? Is this going to be an ego thing? Is this going to, do I need validation? Blah, blah, blah. Just do it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the intention will reveal itself later. I love that. Yeah, not to overthink it. Well, so along these lines, and I know we have to kind of tread carefully here because exactly of what we're talking about here, that we don't need to announce all of this and all the do-gooding, but um, you are doing something really good and you have taken a step in your sobriety to create something that perhaps you wanted, um, created the thing that you needed, which is like what they say about writing a book, right? Write the book you want. You have recently created something very tangible, very personal. for you and for other women in recovery, um, near you is, can you share with us a little bit about the work that you're doing, um, locally? Sure. So I, I started a, and I had wanted to start and I have started a 12 step group in my neighborhood, in my community. And I'd wanted to do something in person for a long time. And the timing was never right. Things weren't just coming together and prayed about it a lot. Like, what is that group going to look like? And again, very much inspired by work that you've done in gathering women and the work that, you know, that others are doing and circling back to having kind of this, this rough, rough go last fall and getting really, really deep into being into the, the fellowship and 12 steps. Um, there was a need for more women's meetings in my community. Was, we have a very robust community, recovery community in Birmingham, but there, for the size of it, there aren't a lot of women's meetings. So I put the call out and talked with a lot of women in the community about what would they want this? Would it be a service? Again, I don't want this to be the Aaron show. Um, you know, what serves best? And women said, we really would love a meeting Saturday evenings with childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's funny in, in full transparency, you know, and I said to 
uh, an amazing woman who, who started the group with me. Um, I'm not really a big kid person, even though I have a kid. Um, so, and she, she said, isn't it funny that, you know, your higher power calls you to this meeting <laughs> to do a meeting where there'd be like babies. Um, right. It's funny. Um, well, I was, I was elected the child care coordinator and I'm the same, <laughs> same as you, Aaron. I was like, okay, I got something to learn here. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like, it's not about me because in my mind, the meeting I wanted to create was like, I, I was off to the races. Like I want to have, and I wanted to have, you know, like some sort of maker night. We're going to do art. We're going to paint. We're going to this, we're going to do that. And I started talking with these other women and they were like, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> but what we really need is we just need a quiet hour where yeah where we can bring our kids and maybe somebody can play with them while we yeah can and we can for be, a second yeah and we can be with other women in the solution um sharing our experience strength and hope and that was a big aha of like you know what if if that's what we're gonna build um so it just started we've only done it for a couple of weeks and the response has been awesome um but it's it has been an exercise of being like yeah this is not the this is not the Aaron show um you know and <laughs> what i know because that one's so shiny and, <laughs> and fun but like um, but that's not, that's not the deal, right? That's not the deal. And I wanted to have, I want something that will continue regardless of where I am in my recovery. So, um, you know, and something that is, um, stable and hopefully long-term and just provides a place for women to connect and be real and be authentic. And, um, you know, there is so much, uh, you know, there's so much stuff around this 12 step fellowship that I'm in. Um, and, I just want to create a safe space where all are welcome, where people can, again, where they connect, where they can learn. I mean, and the reality is, you know, I, I explored many paths when I was getting sober and this is what my foundation is. This is what stuck. This is what um, has, even though I, I use many modalities and all that, um, this is what got me and has kept me sober. So this is what I'm doing. I love it. I love it, Erin. Yeah. yeah. More walking the walk. I, I yeah. you are such a good, um, uh, well, you don't need to hear the good, good. I know, I know you're not doing this for praise. This is just your service and this is what you were wanting and this is what yeah, your community yeah. needed. And you answered the call and you didn't make it about you with a maker night and the whole thing. You listened, <laughs> right? I still you know like that. But sure. Sure. It'll yeah. probably happen one night, you know, but just like that you took like, what, what does my community need? Not what do I need? Right. Right. And, and think about like, even bringing it back to Sandra, you know, I, I'm, I'm always, to, let's bring it back to Sandra. <laughs> you know, I, and I want, when I was that newcomer, when I was shaky and couldn't hold up my head, I didn't need a maker night. <laughs> no, <laughs> you absolutely. I mean, can you imagine? Oh my, I how probably, pissed like, off would you be? You know, like <laughs> you in your maker night. <laughs> I, we're going to plant some succulent. Glitter bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am going to die. I think I'm going to die. Right. And we're going to, we're going to make rest. I'm so I mean, to be here. Yeah. I'm laughing, but it's, you know, it's not funny. It's, it's no. life or death. I can only laugh now because I just, it reminds me how serious and how life or death things were and yeah. could be in a heartbeat, could be. 
um, you know, I'm only this, this stable, <laughs> so to speak, because of all the work and the therapy. Right. We can but only laugh because. We can only laugh because of that. But like, right. that's the other thing that sealed it for me was like, what about that woman that's curious? And what about that, you know, like, and, and that boy, I, I, I use a line in a lot of these posts, like if that voice is, is talking, listen, if something is, is wrong and you know it, you know, and, and I just, I just want to put aside all of these, again, this is, I don't want to go on a rant here, but like, am I an alcoholic? Am I not an alcoholic? You know, the 12 steps, terrible, 12 steps, great. Like, I want to just, <laughs> I don't want to engage in any of that. I just yeah. want to open the doors and open my arms and say, Hey, listen, I can only share my experience, strength and hope. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of women and, and listen, and this, I will get on a little soapbox here there, there, I don't know of anything else for me. Like I can go anywhere in the country and walk into a room full of women who understand. Yes. And I don't drink when I, when I engage in that, those days. Um, and I haven't since March 12th. So uh, there's just something, I kind of have this newfound, um, passion about, and it's not perfect, but about the accessibility, about the inclusiveness, um, and about, about a, uh, a system that welcomes all with open arms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appeal to any, any, any woman, especially because I, you know, I'm often around women who don't do 12 step and that's, and again, we're all saying that that's totally fine, but they, they, their mind explodes like the first time they're in a group setting where they hear, they tell a story or they hear a story in which they can relate. And it's like, you, you could have that at a, at a meeting. <laughs> you right. could have that at a meeting. Um, because you do, you feel so isolated in your feelings, especially when you're just, you know, getting sober. And it is, it, it is a, an experience I can hardly explain the first time that you hear someone tell your story, describe feelings that you have felt mm -hmm. when you felt so isolated and like the only person that ever thought or felt that in the whole entire world. Oh. There was something I heard early on, Sandra and Aaron in a meeting, and I didn't understand it as I, you know, you don't understand things right away when you first go to meetings. You're just trying to get the lay of the land and trying to keep your head down and try not to talk to anybody is kind of where I was at with it. And I would always take my little notebook and I wrote down, um, somebody had said, why is not a spiritual question. And of course I was like, well, of course, why, you know, you have to ask questions. You have to be inquisitive. You know, I have to, and then over the years, you know, why can't I drink like normal people? Not a spiritual question. Why do I have to call myself an alcoholic? It's not a spiritual question. For me, I, I can't question those things anymore. It's a waste of my yeah. energy. Um, the fact that I, I'm about ready, I'm about to read the Scarlet Letter because my son's reading the Scarlet Letter, but I always think about the big A alcoholic as the Scarlet Letter and that no, mm -hmm. no woman wants to wear it. And so I want to read the book because I've never read it. But just to kind of say, like, you don't have to be the big scarlet letter A. It's so much more than that, you know? And I mm -hmm. encourage people and women that I work with, like, you don't have to say you're an alcoholic at a meeting level to go to a meeting. Mm -hmm. um, I have some friends right now that go and say, I'm sober, or I didn't drink today. Or there's some long old timers in my meetings that just say, you know, I'm a, I'm a sober person. Uh, 
happy to be in this circle. You know, like people can say different things. You don't have to say anything. You can sit there and listen. (laughs) So it's so beautiful. Like for me, like when I heard that why is not a spiritual question and, and, and not for everything, but in terms of the rooms and in terms of, I don't have to know why I like to go there now. I just go. Yeah. I just sit and learn. I feel it's like a classroom and I take what I want and I leave the rest. Like I, and then I try to do that in all my affairs. Yeah. And it makes me, it makes me hearing that. Like I I feel sad when people don't have that opportunity. I hear a lot, like I'm not a 12 step person, not just immediately. And I'll say, have you ever been to a meeting? And they'll say no, or they've been to a handful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, I'm really not trying to push it or say it's, it is the solution for everybody because even we say like there, you know, there's, there's many paths. I mean, but I, it makes me sad to think about what folks miss out on. And then when, when also, when I think, when I think back to my early days and trying to like, I think about how many years I fought with that Scarlet A. How many years, you know, I would never identify myself as somebody who wanted to go to a quote unquote church basement, which by the way, I love church basements. (laughs) (laughs) And I love, but, but that's because I like connecting with real people and I've, I've never done that anywhere. Um, I've never, again, I've never seen anything or experienced anything like that in my life. But, um, yeah, I, I, there were so many years I never went there because I, I, I struggled with the word. Um, I just think, you know, just, just, just try, just try it out. Like now I am, now I am kind of preaching uh, to the, to the choir maybe, but, um, but you know, it's come, it's, it's, I've gone through a lot of different seasons. I've gone through seasons um, where, you know, I, I wasn't engaged with that and where I disconnected and, um, but for me, I know that it, it works right now and connects me to, to awesome, awesome women. Yeah, same, same. Well, Erin, I love that you're doing this. I love that you're just, you're whole, opening the space. You, you've, you've got the space open and you're letting go of all of your Erin <laughs> expectations and um, what, that's just a, that's a, just a beautiful thing you've made. I'm trying. Uh, and, and I know, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know. I know that your first meeting, I think you wore a beautiful caftan. Is that, can we, can we go there? Yeah. My, well, I wore a kimono that Sandra made. Oh. I wore a kimono. Um, that style it up. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, I have these physical reminders. I mean, I'm looking right now at a cross stitch that she made in my office. These physical reminders are really important to me. And again, it's, it's part of this 12 step carrying it forward. So, you know, I, I, I wore that because of what she did for me mm-hmm. and because I can then extend, extend the hand forward. And, and I like to keep objects around from, you know, from my friends, my, this awesome network of women all around the country. I and mean, then I have a mug from the old home podcast that I drink out of. And when I host things in my, in my, in my home for women in recovery, like, you know, I like to take that out, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I've, you know, I've learned, I'm learning from every single person in this community and, and I feel that safety net and that love and that protection and, um, those promises that, that have come true 
um, when I have those objects all around me. Hmm. Well, you definitely have beautiful objects all around you, Erin. So let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? (laughs) We talked about this on the show. I just recently had a big blowout thrifting day with with an unruffled listener. Um, But I know Sandra uses it this way. I know you do. I do as well. Like thrifting as a creative act and kind of um, having these beautiful acquisitions that find us out in the world. Like we find them, they find us. I'm not sure how it works, but you are, I mean, that's one of your passions, right? It is. And it's been a passion since childhood mm-hmm. and sobriety has allowed me to reconnect with that in a huge way. <laughs> um, I just love it. It makes me so, so happy. And for me, it's this, it's my time, um, where I can go on a hunt. I do think the objects kind of find me and it's this weird woo woo. People are always like, Oh, I want to, how do you do it? Or I want to go with you. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I can't really tell you. Like I've even thought like, Oh, should I be, you know, creating a site around that? Like, I don't know. I just, they just kind of appear. Um, but I do put myself in places where they appear as well. Like, you know. <laughs> it's kind of magic, right? It's so like a little it bit. Is. Yeah. It's like magic is happening. And it feels like they're little messages from the universe. So like, you know, I love my books. And I, the other day I was at the, um, the Birmingham public library where I live and I, I didn't realize they had a, a, a bookstore, used bookstore. And I came home with so many wild, amazing books. Like I love, I collect vintage self-help. Um, I also, I really love the vintage self-help because it makes you realize everything that people are saying now, like nothing's new. Nothing's <laughs> new, right? It's just packaged. It's just packaged differently. So I have uh-huh. that and like the fitness, you know, sort of, sort of campy, but it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, I love eighties fitness. Yes. I want it like okay. to teach an eighties fitness class. That's really like, fully a tart. Um, <laughs> I've never taught a fitness class. Let's just be really clear on that, but have these, you know, unrealistic expectations, but yeah, whether it be kind of these objects, I love, I love giving them a second life. Like, you know, like, like you guys do. I mean, I love, you know, the clothes that have a story. I love, um, it's also, it's a point of connection because people say, Oh, that's a really cool dress. And I, I say, well, let me tell you the story about it. And um, but, and I love having a home that's, uh, my husband might, might <laughs> defer, yeah. um, cause I really actually have no more space. Um, but I, I love having a home. I'm looking right now at all my crazy portraits and velvet paintings and, um, you know, just cool letterpress. It makes me really happy. And I can do that because I'm, um, I'm not clean, constantly cleaning up messes of my life. Like my house was a mess. My house, I mean, and I know y'all have talked about this at different points about how we go through these phases of, I know Sandra, you're in, you're in the middle of a, uh, a house project and Tammy has a beautiful new studio, but yeah, the, the physical space, the transformation of physical spaces um, in, in recovery is such a cool thing. And for me, it just looks like crazy ass art and caftans and books and, and I, I laugh, like I, I made this Instagram story the other day, like just with highlights from my books. It just made me laugh. And I'm like, I don't even care if anybody watches it. Cause like, it's <laughs> so funny. Like, um, so yeah, sometimes I think a lot about having a store or selling it or, and then, you know, I think, well, maybe I'll just keep it for myself. Cause it's really fun. And isn't yeah. it so fun just to love what you love? And even if it's like bucking trends, you know, because I'm with you, sister, I'm a maximalist. I, <laughs> yes. I appreciate all you minimalists, but that is not me. And I fully step into the things I love. 
it's like, again, going back to that integration thing. Um, I, I, I so happy that I give myself permission just to love what I love. (laughs) And I'm going to need about a week at your house to have an (laughs) intimate experience with all your shit. (laughs) I hope it will live up to, you know, everything that it promises. Um, If the the Elvis lamp is there, if the Elvis lamp and the velvet Elvis painting, I'm going to be happy. So anything else is going to be a bonus after that. I love Elvis so much and <laughs> I I feel Saturn, like I, of course like that's that hasn't I'm like when I think about branding what you're known for I'm like I, I feel like my love of Elvis has fallen by the wayside I need to make sure people know that I love Elvis so much so there it is um but yeah it's um it's kind of crazy I'm definitely not a minimalist either like I love that but like I even when I pack and I travel a lot like I'm I'm into like bringing 17 kimono like I'm like invest in show like I just <laughs> I'm okay with that I'm okay you know, you're okay with it right it's like it's not it's not ever going to be you know I, that's another thing being at this this stage in life I'm 43 and I just I love being in this place and going kind of deeper into midlife and being like wow I really know what I want I really know I'm not going to change I'm not going to be right acceptance of the things that we're not interested in changing yeah, yeah it's like I'm not no I'm not and and just, just like I've started following the Instagram, the clog life. Have you, do you guys follow that? Uh, no, oh, but, I, but I will now. So, I, so it's this woman, she's a writer and I, I heard about her from a podcast called the milk podcast that I started listening to. And, and she, about women, um, women of a certain age and mothers. And anyhow, this woman wrote like her Instagram was all about like clog life. And she kind of wrote it like kind of as a funny, like she, well, she got laid off from her job um as a writer editor so I can relate to that because I've had that experience too but she started just she went out when she got laid off like got a pair of clogs and was like well this is my life now I'm gonna just do do whatever I want wear clogs like hang out and then she started posting photos of of clogs and it kind of took off and she's written about it in a lot of different publications but like I really like that sensibility of like you know what like and I feel like it's trickling down to other uh, other parts of the culture, and it's not necessarily even like a, a a midlife thing. But people are just becoming more. They're like, I am who I am. I love that. And I'm like, whether it's wearing clogs, whether it's caftans, whether it's like, you know, just embrace who you are, right? Yeah. Just embrace it. Like, and, and you know, it's just we're in such, you know, challenging, dark, troubled times that that it's like finding these little places where we can celebrate ourselves and be be comfortable um, and find joy. Like we kind of have to, like, you know, I talked about not having the fight in me. Well, the fight I have in me now is for joy. Um, That's the fight I have. It's not a fight to be right. It's not a fight to save the world. It's not a fight to like against all indignities ever committed upon anyone. Um, you know, and frankly, there are people who are doing that work and doing a heck of a good job and are better equipped uh, to do that. But, you know, my fight is, 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 yeah, it's like literally on a daily basis to, um, to, to, to find that joy and share that joy and cling to that. Um, and, and sort of to celebrate again, it sounds sort of Pollyanna-ish, but 
feel like when the when you when you've walked through you know you know when you walk through the dark places you know you know how amazing it is to experience joy and that's what I fight for now so it may look kind of yeah the, the thrift store stuff may look you understand it it you know it may look silly and funny but it actually is really connected to um yeah honor honoring myself and what brings me um to life and that in turn allows other people to be themselves mm, i love that me too are we going to get a fit an official kimono caftan count at all or are we i tried to do the tally i, I <laughs> I'm afraid I might, it might be disappointing. Like the number, like I have, we won't be disappointed. No, we will not be disappointed. I feel like I probably have, um, between the caftans and kimonos, I probably have maybe 20, 25, maybe. Oh, that's a good count. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. Some of them line my bedroom, um, walls. I just (gasps) hanging them up but I started hanging them with command strips so in the middle like a sometimes they fall down and like freak out my husband and he gets freaked out because he's like it looks there's like there's like 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 10 crazy women in my my I'm like welcome to joy my friend right (laughs) he's like it's really weird Aaron why are they just hanging and I'm like to ride shotgun professor you get to just be on this ride with me (laughs) Yeah, my husband's a professor. God bless him. We're the right. They are. They can be saints, right? To put up. I know. I know. (laughs) When we're when we're packing right now, I I was reminded that the first time my husband had to pack me up to move me here twelve years ago, he was (laughs) like so confused as to why he was packing this huge stack of of interview magazines from the 80s 90s to early 2000s it's like are we really bringing these I'm like yes we are and yeah. here, we, here we go again we're doing it again mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope like, you still have all those because oh, yes, yes, I have them <laughs> like, don't you also this is a sidebar and why like seriously you guys need to visit like don't you just want to enjoy like spreading out those magazines or those books like I want to have a party where I just like like because I have a party of one all the time where I just spread out uh-huh. the ads and the books and like and I'm just like I love them like maybe I'll do something with them maybe not but don't you just want to like spread them out and revel in the visual beauty yeah. there's nothing there's nothing better I mean when you come upon like a perfect units ad or the perf the 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 perfect Benetton ads. I mean, Esprit, there's just, I, I could, okay, I'll stop now, but they are perfect. <laughs> let's yeah, do this so for I a workshop. That. Everybody bring your stuff and let's just spread it out and touch it and look <laughs> at it. And, and like, and spreading out the stuff. One thing Tammy said to me recently, I hope it's okay that I share this, but go ahead. Well, I'm an open book. <laughs> spreading, it's like a sp- spreading out all of these books and you know these visual things, but you know, she's also encouraged me to like go back and take out my old journals. And my old writing and to reference, like, you know, when I started sharing, okay, I think I want to pivot. Um, she was like, you know, you can reference yourself. You probably have more work than, you know, and more stuff that you can pull upon. So creatively, that's really interesting to me too, to think like, let's pull it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, let's pull it all out and put it, put it, you know, on the table and see how this all connects um, in the act of, of creating, you know, what that's going to be. I'm not really sure, but I thought that was sort of cool too, of like, 
you know, all, there, there, there's a story in all this stuff, even though it doesn't, it's not always linear. It's like, um, <laughs> clearly the people listening are like, wow, this one, she's really, really going to a special place. But like, um, they understand, you know, see, thank, you, Danny. thank you. You can edit this part out. But like, I get the bigger thing is, you know, for me being able to pause and not have to always be creating yeah. too, and just to be like, okay, I might just spread stuff out and look at it. I might not make something. I might make something. I might not. Um, but there, you know, there's this whole life to choose from and that's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wrap yourself up in a kimono and go right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that you kind of in your, in your beautiful wares that you pick up and they make you feel good, you know, yeah. coffee in them. Yeah. Or like Sondra, wear a slip and answer the door when it's hot and just listen. Cool. I love that. And I went to a party the other night for a friend and I wore what I think was a nightgown. And, awesome. And somebody said, one of my friends said, I had seen her. She goes, you look very comfortable. I was like, yes, well achieved. <laughs> it's a nightgown. I was like, it's a caftan. Call it whatever you want. You know what? I'm going to rock it. Potato, potato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We could talk about this for days. I know, but I'm going to wrap us up a little bit if that's all right. Yeah. Um, okay. If you must. I'm sorry. Well, we, we ended on a really good note there. So, we did. Um, we did. <laughs> so, uh, towards the end of the show. We haven't done this for like a month or so, but we decided to do it a little differently today. We're going to share some items from our unruffled toolbox, which is something that has either helped us in our sobriety or our creative worlds, our lives, and um, share with our listeners. And we're going to mix it up by each one of us is going to share something today from our toolbox. So Aaron, as our guest, we're going to start with you. What do you have? So I am going to riff off something Sandra shared a while back. She shared about meditation being really transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to say meditation was transformative to me, but I wasn't actually doing it. So the specific resource that has really helped me meditate, and I'm just trying to do 10 minutes every day, is John Kabat-Zinn's Full Catastrophe Living. My therapist recommended it. Um, So it's mindfulness-based stress reduction. And after a lifetime of reading about and talking about meditation, this book really has unlocked um, so much for me and pointed me to um, the act of sitting and truly sitting. So the real key thing is doing Vipassana meditation, so not guided no words, really sitting with myself, um, has, it, it turns out it really does work. So for me, meditation was kind of like, like I talked about getting sober for a long time and then there was no way to do it, but to do it. And, um, that's where I am now with my meditation process practice and it really actually does work. Um, but the real key for me has been John Kabat-Zinn's work, which is, um, medically based and he does it with people who are all walks of life, all kinds of illnesses, issues, all that. Um, and it's really kind of unlocked the like, Oh, this thing actually works if you do it. So I feel like meditation is a, it's kind of like a go-to, like everyone talks about meditation, but I'm here to say that um, after talking, switching from talking to doing has truly been transformative. And I feel like I, I'm, I am, I am showing up in a greater way and I am embodied because I'm actually doing it. Mm. Well, we are going to be spiritual Twinkies and maybe just the captains of obvious, but 
<laughs> my tool item from my toolbox is also my meditation practice. And again, I'm with you, Erin. Like I could talk about it. Uh, I would, you know, but I was not fully committed. I would skip days mm-hmm. and not really feel suffer like I was suffering from skipping days either. So it took me getting fully, fully into it, committing to a daily practice. And I'm going twice a day, but committing to that daily practice. Now, if I miss an afternoon or if I, you know, I've rarely missed a morning in the past, uh, I guess, two months, but um, if I miss it, I miss it. Mm. And it has, I've had some pretty profound (laughs) shifts actually that I won't go into right now, but you're right, Erin. You know, we've, you, you, you cannot, you cannot walk into a room full of women without somebody, you know, hitting you upside the head with their meditation practice, (laughs) but it (laughs) does work. (laughs) It's not, you know, these people have not been just giving lip service to it. It actually does work again, if you are actually doing it and, and taking, taking the, the non-action by sitting on your butt and, and doing it. but I'm, that's been my biggest tool right now in my toolbox. Well, I'll ride this train a little bit with you gals. Um, I've been doing kind of a form of meditation, let's say, not as formal as the both of you. I started doing Julia Cameron's um, The Artist's Way Morning Pages um, mm. at the beginning of August. I had started it last summer and kind of trailed off, and I found my composition book and started it up again doing three pages and I have been solving problems um, through these pages like I know they're not supposed to be for anything you're just brain dumping you know but where I'm starting at the beginning of the week with what I'm writing about and kind of where I end up I'm kind of teasing out problems in there asking for help in between like I called Sandra one day I needed some help and then just kept writing about it every morning about this problem that I was struggling with. And by the end of the five days, I had, I had just transformed my thinking and my mm-hmm. perspective. And they've really become, I'm looking forward to get up out of bed and write my pages before I do anything, before I drink tea, before I take my supplements, anything. I'm just writing. And then all of a sudden three pages is done and I just feel lighter. Mm. So I've never, I'm, I'm reading the book as well, The Artist's Way. I'd never read that before, but I don't think you need to in order to do it. You just need to write three pages, stream of consciousness upon waking and with no expectation not to use it for anything else, just to write. Um, and that's, that's been my tool. Yes. <sighs> Good one. Well, Erin, thank you. Where can people find you? Where can they find your work now that you're all integrated? Where can they find Aaron Shaw Street. Find me at AaronShawStreet.com. And I still do posts to um to tell better stories. Um so that's tell better stories media on Instagram. So I do share stuff there. Um not as frequently and with a different focus. But um the best place is my website where I put everything. Perfect. Well thanks for coming on the show again. You know you're the only one that's been on here three times, Erin. I am so honored mm-hmm. and 
you know, I, I, the only rule is I will not do a fourth unless we do it here in Alabama. <laughs> okay. I love it. That's and let it be said, there will be no more conversations about trips to Alabama until okay. we are planning the trip to Alabama for the live podcast taping. Let it be said. Yes. We're manifesting it right now. We're well manifesting. Well, that is, that is 2020 and it's, it's definitely going to happen. I mean, it it's is. for sure going to happen. It is. So, right. um, well, until you. then, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to still text and talk and give advice like we do. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to see Sandra in October in Austin. In the, the, there's lucky that. Me, so. Lucky me. Lucky, lucky, lucky. A little thrifting. A little bit. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Okay, you have to share. Okay. <laughs> Until then. All right. Bye, ladies. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers, Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.